Well, first of all, I'm happy to be able to speak to you this morning and uh, appreciate the elders um, in giving me this invitation. And I hope what I say to you will be uh, encouraging and rememberable today. Um, that was really my goal is to give you some images to help you remember a key lesson that we're going to talk about from the scriptures. In late 2015, my dad told me that he had several things that he, had to, he wanted to do on his bucket list and his wife was unwilling to do those with him. One was to go down the Colorado River and camp out for a week and she just wasn't into doing that. And the other was to go to Africa and go out on the Serengeti and uh, camp out there. His wife wasn't into camping. And so he said, I'd like to have a travel partner and I'll pay for the trip if you want to go. So I was all in when, when that happened. So we went to, uh, to watch the wildebeest migration, which occurs between the Serengeti and Masai Mara. Serengeti's in Tanzania, Masai Mara's in Kenya. About 350 miles, about a million and a half wildebeest make that travel every year. They're probably going to start here in, a, in about a month to make that trek. Um, 250,000 zebras go with them. And uh, this is kind of what it looks like when, the, when that travel is going on here. Kind of an amazing sight of uh, the creation that God has made and them moving around. Now the wildebeest is the focus of this travel. Um, the wildebeest, you're just going to have to admit... Jason, you probably wouldn't have one of these on your farm down there. These are just ugly creatures. In fact, wildebeest, are, I've never heard of anyone eating wildebeest, any humans eating wildebeest. An old African legend says that the wildebeest was actually made from God's leftover parts from creation. <laughs> that he actually took the face of a locust, buffalo horns, the body of a cow, threw on some goat legs, put a giraffe tail on it, and actually even some stripes from a zebra were left over. And uh, out of that, he crafted an animal. And so uh, we probably know that's not true, but uh, at least there is an African legend about creation and God, so that's a good thing here. The wildebeest is not really the subject of our lesson today, but because the wildebeest is on the move in the Serengeti, something else is on the move in the Serengeti, and that is the lion. The lion follows the wildebeest because the wildebeest turns out to be really good lion food. And so when you go to the Serengeti that time of the year, you see a lot of lions. And you see lions in every position. And lions are kind of like my cat right now. I'm sure my cat right now is sleeping on top of a chair looking out outside right because that's what he does about 18 to 20 hours a day. And that's what the lions do. Disney did, in fact, get it right when they had that big rock in The Lion King, and the lion came out and held out the, you know, the, the baby was held out by the monkey, the new lion cub was born. That doesn't really happen here, but the lions do sit on those big round rocks that are there in the Serengeti. They actually mostly sleep on top of them. And any rock you see, there's going to be a lion there. And they just, they really look kind of cuddly, don't they? I mean, this is a lion that we just would probably want to jump in and give it a big hug, right? Because this is just like a big old cat, right? This would just be a fun animal to play with. So this is um, one of the things we follow. But then we found this out about lions. Just watch here. The slides will move for a second. This was a lion, a young lioness. Her mother was right behind her. We were sitting at the bottom of a hill. The, the Toyotas that we were in were creating a little screen. And these zebras were walking down the hill. And they really didn't see the lions till the last minute. And then you see what happened. The lion went from that sleepy lion to a predator 
looking for prey. And that was Mama looking to see whether or not her daughter had actually captured the baby zebra that day for a meal. So this is where the slideshow about Africa, even though you'll see more pictures about Africa along the way, ends and the spiritual lesson begins. Because that cuddly lion, or that lion that even we see in the zoo when we visit the zoo, the zoo or the lion on the Lion King that we enjoy Disney movies, that's not really the lion God wants you to remember. Peter pointed out the lion that God wants us to remember. Peter said in 1 Peter 5, verse 8, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a lion, seeking someone to devour. Our guides noted for us when we saw just how quickly that lion went from a sleeping lion to a predator. They noted for us that whenever we were out on the Serengeti and someone needed to take a little bathroom break and there were no, there were no gas stations out there to take bathroom breaks, that's why they got out of the jeep with a gun on their sidearm and they scanned the horizon because once a human steps out of a protected jeep onto the Serengeti, what are they? They're the slowest animal in, the, in Africa. Therefore, they are the easiest lion food. You see, lions are lazy, but when they get hungry, they'll spring to action. And they want the easiest meal they can get. Now this lion pictured here that I'm trying to, to get you to really look at closely in association with what Peter said about the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. This lion has on what the African guides called us is called pink lipstick. When a lion has on pink lipstick, they're pretty, they're pretty satisfied because they've just eaten. This lion is in the process of devouring the prey that it has just captured. This, my brothers and sisters, my friends, is the goal of the devil and we are the prey. So the rest of the lesson is about thinking about what we can learn from lions because Peter pointed us to lions to remind us what our life here on earth is like when we are in the midst of a world that is prowled about by a lion called the devil. So here's one thing I learned about lions in Africa. What do you think this lion is doing here? Just hanging out? This lion is practicing stealth and deception. It blends into the, into the, into the, uh, the countryside there. It's sitting in a spot where it's hard to see. What this lion wants is for somebody to accidentally wander in its sphere of influence like that baby zebra did, and it will spring the trap. And it's just making itself visible enough to be scanning the horizon. The devil practices stealth and deception. Jesus told us to beware of wolves in sheep's clothing. Same principle here. That lions are trying to deceive us into thinking there's something that they're not, and that's what the devil is trying to do. Now, I could spend an entire lesson talking about how today's world is filled with people trying to deceive us as Christians into believing false things that will make us pray for the devil. Our political process, everything that social media tries to put in front of our eyes, all of the divisiveness, everything we see out there, they're tools of the devil. And we've been talking about that in our Revelation class as to how exactly these things are used. And 
The devil's not trying to get the world he already has. He's after us to put pressure on us, to deceive us into walking into his trap. Second thing I learned about lions is they really like to find isolated prey. They're patient. If they're not hidden well, they'll simply sit in a place and blend in and make the animals forget they're there. And then somebody will wander into the sphere of influence and isolation. There's no protection from the herd or the group. They're isolated. They're by themselves. The devil will attack us when we're isolated. Those of you who've traveled on business, have you ever noticed that you seem to get more temptations when you're by yourself? If you're by yourself with your iPad or your TV, things tend to pop up that are things that would be distracting to you, maybe would lead you to look at something sinful. Do we think that the devil has used COVID and people being in isolation to tempt them? To tempt them to do things they wouldn't otherwise do or to stop practices that they have that are good practices? We all know that these things are, are true. That's because the devil knows that if he can get us isolated, we're easier prey for him. When COVID is over, will there be something else that the devil tries to use to separate us from the group? You bet there will. The devil uses isolation. Sometimes, however, for a lion, those tactics don't get him a meal. And so sometimes a lion just has to be bold. One night we were actually in our tents of the Serengeti and we were told to quarantine, to isolate in our tents because there was a lion nearby. It was about 100 yards away in a thicket. It was roaring. You've never heard a sound like that. What was the lion trying to get to happen? It wanted some animal to get scared and to move so it could pounce on it. Nothing was coming into its field and so it tried to scare something into moving to make that happen. The devil is bold. If Satan directly confronted Jesus, the Son of God, with temptations in Matthew 4, do we think, no matter how strong we are as a Christian, that he is not bold enough to make a direct assault on us, to directly try to take us away? He is that bold. And we need to be aware of, of him because of that. The devil also uses coordinated attack, just like a lion was. Sometimes lions work together in pairs or in multiple groups. One will try to flush, flush prey and just get it running, while another waits to pounce on it. Coordination, using multiple elements to try to get someone off their solid, safe spot into another thing. For a lion, that someone is an animal and it's a meal for them. For the devil, that someone is us. When things come at us in multiple things in our life that try to get us to have our faith shaken, that push us to be consider doing things that we might never consider doing before, or that, that simply help us to forget where we are safe and where we're not safe, put us on the move, that could be the devil operating in our life. Lions are scary creatures. And the first part of this lesson I want to, to home in for you to, to recognize this is what, by inspiration, Peter wanted us to put in our mind when we think about 
the adversary we have in this world, the devil, who's after us to shake us from our faith. This is the kind of creature that the devil is. These are the kind of tactics that he uses. This all seems so scary, right? Well, guess what? There are people who live on the Serengeti in the midst of lion country. And as Christians, we have no choice but to live in the midst on this world of the territory that's controlled by the devil. And so we need to remember some things given that we want to not become the devil's prey. I didn't really tell you the end of the story about the baby zebra. When I would show this to people, when I'd show slides of my, my full 3,000 pictures of Africa, which you probably don't want to see, Judy's never made it through the slideshow without falling, without falling asleep. So she doesn't know about the end of the trip still to this day. Everybody always goes, oh, did the baby lion get, did the baby zebra get killed? And it's like, well, if, if it did, that means this, this young lion had a meal that day and the lion would die if it didn't kill the zebra or vice versa. Everybody's got to kill or be killed in Africa to, um, to, to have a meal every day. This particular baby zebra on this day made it. Mama saw what was happening, started to run, the baby zebra followed in. When that lion, when they went over that little hill and that lion sprung, it was just out of the grass, but the camera didn't capture it because of the hill that was there. But this set of zebras practiced what you and I have to practice most frequently if we're going to escape the snare of the, de the devil. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with temptation will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. There is no attack that the devil can make on us that we cannot escape. That's a promise from God. There is always a way of escape. Now, what is the way of escape? I would assert to you that's the most common one we should be ready to use at a moment's notice. You see a common word on this screen? Flee sexual immorality, 1 Corinthians 6. Flee idolatry, 1 Corinthians 10. Flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, and love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. What's the best defense against the devil when he attacks us? It's what the baby zebra did. Run. Just run. Get out of the situation. Get away. This is how most animals survive the attack of lions. They just simply are faster or they notice it happening enough to get just out of the grasp of the lion and they avoid being prey that way. For you and I, we have to be smart enough to know that when God promises a way of escape, sometimes that's our feet, to move ourselves out of one situation to a situation where we're safer. In fact, that's what Paul tells Timothy here. Not only are you to flee from things, but, but we actually should go towards safety. And what does Paul say that safety is? Righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. That's us. Being a part of this group is a part of fleeing the devil to actually be strengthened in what we do together so that we have a safe abode away from this attack. Another quick story. 
In this part of, uh, of Africa, the Maasai uh, tribal people are, are the most common people that live here. What you see here is somebody's bank account, that long string of cattle. This is their bank. They use those cows for food. They use those cows for barter. They even use those cows to get a wife. Um, I think the, when we were there, the going rate was around 25 cows in exchange for a wife from one of the, the, the men looking for a wife uh, to the father of, of a girl. So if you, if you had girls, you actually could get a good bank account there by, uh, by, by, by exchanging them there. So that little circle in that picture, what do you, you probably can't see it. It's not big enough on your screens, but any guesses to what that is? That's one lone cow herder with all of those cows. With all the wealth that that tribe has, they send those cows out to graze in lion country with one cow herder. Are they stupid? No, they're armed. So these are um, some Maasai warriors who actually were showing us how they start a fire out in, in the bush. And uh, what you see here is they laid down their, some of their weapons um, you see on the, on the bottom uh, the bottom right is something called a rungu stick. That's a throwing stick. Those guys can throw that really well. It's going to leave a mark when it hits you. And that's the first line of defense against a lion coming in attack. They will throw that stick and hit the lion as, as close as they can to the face to deter it. They also carry a staff, which if the lion gets in closer, they can punch it with the staff. And I didn't have a picture of one of the guys with the staff. But most importantly, you see them bent down over this, and it's kind of in the shadows, you can't see it, but they have something called a semi. In other words, a lion sword. And they carry the lion sword because if the lion gets through the first two lines of defense, the third line of defense is the sword put to the lion itself to protect themselves and the cattle. So, James tells us something that these Maasai warriors know about lions. If you resist them, they'll run away. James says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. The devil is not after a hard meal. He's after an easy meal. Resistance makes the meal hard for the devil, makes him quit on us and move to someone else. This is a promise as sure as our salvation, that if we simply find a way to resist, that the devil will leave us. Peter says in the next verse after telling us about the devil walking about as a roaring lion, tells us to then resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of things, uh, same suffering is experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Even in the midst of persecution, to stay the course and to keep resisting is how we cause that persecution not to become a temptation for us to lose our faith. Paul tells the Ephesians to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The armor of God that's talked about there is designed for us to be able to combat the devil when he attacks us. And if you look at the, if you look at the armor, and I'm sure, sure you've heard this in other lessons, you can see exactly how it's that kind of armor that's, that gives us protection. And it also gives us something else. When the devil attacked Jesus, Jesus did this. He quoted to him scripture, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. What did Jesus use 
to finally repel the devil that day. He used his sword, didn't he? And that's what Paul calls the scripture about the gospel, the word of God, the sword of the spirit. Just like this Messiah warrior has a lion sword, we have a lion sword. And that's called the scripture. The more we know it, the more we understand it, the more we can bring it to mind in any situation. When we're under assault, and we will be under assault by the devil, the better chance we have to do exactly what Jesus did. Jesus didn't repel the devil because he was the son of God. He repelled the devil because he understood the weapons that he had, being a child of God. You and I need to do the same if we are to repel the attacks of the devil. For about 35 minutes one day, or 45 minutes, we watched this lion try to hunt this group of wildebeest. And this lion was thwarted at every turn because these wildebeest kept eyes on this lion the entire time. They never got to a point where that lion got closer than 100 yards to them. They always kept eyes on him. They understood what happened. These, these wildebeest had made it all the way on that long journey and had survived the lion attack, and they weren't about to get attacked that day. Paul tells the Corinthians that they need to not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. One of the best ways to repel Satan is to understand what he's going to do. To not be ignorant of what he's trying to do. To understand his tactics. That's part of what today's lesson is about. The preaching that we have here at this place, the great blogs that we get to read from Don and Sean and from others who send out the blogs, the assignments we have that were given from the elders, the good care and watchfulness that our shepherds do, looking on the perimeter, making sure there's not an attack coming at us. The things we do to read our Bibles together, to reinforce each other, to give encouragement, to receive encouragement. Those are all things that are purposefully given to us by the scriptures to build us up, to keep us from falling under attack. We know that we can watch out and understand exactly what the devil's going to do, and we're, we're there before him to strengthen ourselves so that we don't get a surprise attack. At night in the Serengeti, it's more difficult to defend the cows, and so they bring them in. They put them in the pen. That's actually in the village. They live in the village with the people there, surrounded by poles and also surrounded by, uh, by thickets of thorns that they actually harvest and make fences with so the lions can't get, get through them. Because there is safety in numbers, and there's safety in the group, and it's much easier to repel the lion and just to deter the lion in general if people stay together. And they found that out. We need to recognize that as well about the church. Paul, in writing to the Romans, and sometimes we read these verses as if he's writing it to us as individuals, and while he was, we need to read this verse as he was writing it to the church in Rome. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent to what is evil, that the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Now here's Paul telling the Roman Christians that God will soon crush Satan under their feet. That's the church in Rome that he's telling that to. This is the church that's being persecuted that we're talking about in Revelation with all the ways that the devil is using the Roman government to persecute them. And what does Paul tell these people? God's going to crush Satan under your feet. 
when we're part of the group, we can recognize that when we collectively build each other up to resist Satan's temptations, we are the, in the process of crushing Satan. That's the same kind of word that was used in Genesis, the third chapter, to talk about Jesus would crush Satan, crush his head. That's the same, we, we get to do the same thing when we're with, with Christ. If we recognize that the power of this group together can actually help us to repel the devil and not only to, to not be afraid of him, we will crush him. And we crush him by staying faithful throughout our lives. When Peter confessed Jesus as Christ, Jesus said, On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Just like we're studying in Revelation, we are on the winning team. The devil cannot defeat the church. And if we, as members of the church, stay close and use the, all the resources that we have together as, as a church, not only a local church, but the universal church, as Jesus is talking about here, we can't be defeated. We don't have to be scared of this lion that's roaming about. This lion is not indefeatable. Here's a lion that was skulking off, that lost some battle somewhere. I don't know with what animal or with what, but this lion was trying to recover after being, after being hurt. The devil is not indestructible. He's not insurmountable. Yes, Jesus called him the prince of the power of this world, and we talk about Paul talking about the prince of the power of the air. It doesn't matter how much power Satan has. He only has it because individuals have, have given him that power over themselves through falling prey to his temptations. He has no power over you and I if we stay true. But here's something that we need to remember. You know... And I know that we don't always stay true, that we do fall to temptation as individuals. I know the times I have. You know the times you have. This is perhaps the most stunning power we have over Satan because when we try to defeat him and we lose and when he wins that battle and we do fall to temptation, it's not over for the Lord's people. Paul told Timothy that God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. When the devil does defeat us, we're not down for good. We can get back up. And the way we get back up is what Paul told Timothy, repentance. Repentance is the pathway to defeating the devil. Repentance is the pathway to crushing the devil because he believes he can keep us once he gets us to sin. But Jesus knows that he can rescue us from the sentence of that sin, from the destruction of that sin, and can cleanse us of those sins if we will but keep our faith in him and stay close to him. And when we do fall, if we'll remember that turning back to Jesus is so much more rewarding than staying in the fallen state that we're in. So when you think about the devil and being a lion, don't think about that lion you saw in the zoo. I hope this lesson today will give you some images maybe to bring back to memory of that lion with that bloody mouth that's looking to take down prey. 
This is who you're facing. That lion will practice stealth. He will try to deceive you with people, even people of your own family, and even sometimes fellow Christians who have fallen that have fallen into his trap. He will use any means possible to hide himself to try to spring the trap. He's bold enough for a direct attack. He'll try to isolate you from the group, from God. And he'll try to, to drive you with attack into a place where you're more vulnerable. You know that now. And you know that the Lord has given us a way to deal with this. He's armed us for this conflict with the lion. We can walk about in this land that's dominated by these lions, by the devil, if we remember what the Lord has taught us, to flee when we, when we see temptation, to resist him, to struggle if we find ourselves struggling in that temptation, to be informed of his tactics and to be smart enough to know when it's the devil behind something and therefore we need to watch out to be close to your members of the church because that safety helps to charge us up and to keep us fit and active in, in God's service and able to resist the devil. And if we do fall, we need to remember that we can escape him. We're not prey to the devil forever as long as we repent in this life and we turn back to Jesus. This morning, if you have any needs to repent, if you have needs uh, from, that we can help you as members of this church, if you've been thinking about being baptized and you wonder, should I be baptized? Yes, you should, because that is the way that you ultimately gain the power that God is ready to give you, the power to defeat Satan in this world and to live forever in the world to come. If there's anything we can do to help you this morning, I'd ask that you would come forward as we stand and as we sing.